Welcome to the Brother Brother Pod. Tonight it's just Christian and I, and we are doing some album reviews. Generally on the Brother Pod, we um, tend to kind of sit with albums for a while. We like to listen to them and then collect kind of our new faves and uh, pile them into an episode, reoccurring episode called What Are You Listening To? But we've had a couple big releases in the last few months, and um, unfortunately our brother Wyndham cannot join us tonight. He's stuck in traffic. He was going to talk about one of, one of, one of three, but we're going we're gonna to narrow it down to two. We're going to talk about the Nationals' new album, uh, Sleep Well Beast, an LCD sound system, a, a fave of all three of us. Um, American Dream, and uh, you know I'm actually uh, in Seattle tonight, and Christian is Brooklyn, so we're literally talking across the country in different time zones. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say, Christian. Well, thanks, Jeremy. Um, I will uh, I will kick it off, I think, and talk about American Dream. It's funny you say, you know, the the three albums we were planning on talking about today were um, uh, were Queens of the Stone Age, LCD Sound System, and um, and the National, and, and instead we'll just be talking about LCD we're, we're Sound System. We're going to blame 95 then, uh, Traffic for Queens of the Stone Age being left off this pod tonight. We are, but it is also funny that you refer to them as indie bands, because, <laughs> of course, American Dream was released on Columbia, and um, I Queens of the Stone Age, similarly, you know, a major label release, so... Um, and I'm actually, I'm not sure about the uh, 4AD, which is well, sort so. of... Uh, yeah, oh, was it 4AD? I guess a big indie, okay. Yeah, um, but, uh, but I mean, I think that that really does speak to the, the longevity and staying power that all three of these bands have had, and, and the fact that, you know, they have um, started from, from much more uh, modest roots and really grown over the last um, 10, 15 years, uh, or I guess in, in Queens of the Stone Age's case, uh, sort of, you know, closer to 20 even. Um, but... You know, I think to, to kick off American Dream, I mean, I think I I'm I am unashamed uh, to say that I am a I am a big fan of this record, really? and um, I think that we'll have uh, yeah we'll, we'll have we'll have a fair amount to talk about on that front. But you know, I think that ultimately this this has all the hallmarks of um, of another great LCD sound system album, and you know, I think first and foremost uh, that starts with the sound, and this thing sounds great. I mean, it's beautifully produced, and the songs are uh, outstanding. Um, you know, they're, they're, it's again a sort of mixed assortment of more danceable numbers and then a handful of um, uh, heavier and, and slightly longer electronic ballads. Um, you know, a few of the songs, as we've learned to expect, uh, sort of chug past the, uh, the six or seven minute mark. And in fact, Black Screen, the, um, uh, the last song on the album, hits uh, double figures. It's a, it's a sort of 12 minute eulogy to James Murphy's hero, David Bowie. But you know, aside from Call the Police, I think, which recalls the, the sort of euphoric buildup of, of all of my friends, um, there are definitely fewer musical peaks here. Um, and, you know, you don't have the party anthems like uh, Drunk Girls or North American Scum or maybe Daft Punk is playing at my house. Um, they're sort of conspicuously absent from this album. And, you know, I think along with that... Um, you 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 uh, are aware that you know you, you don't have the sort of optimism um, in, implicit in songs like I Can Change um, and uh, and similarly in, in All My Friends. So you know I, I think it's also according to Murphy, of course, seven year seven year break right from the last album. So the band had broken Absolutely. up. Absolutely, they uh, made some magical appearances here and there in the last couple of years, and I think you've been at almost all of those. <laughs> I was lucky enough to go to yeah, one. close to. Um, but it's rare that you have a band that, you know, is, is, is sort of 
you know, I think we all agree is, has put out a triple of, of three amazing albums, breaks up, which is pretty cool to do at their peak, and then comes back and, and puts out a, a really highly anticipated album. Although, well, yeah, it certainly is. It certainly is a rarity. Um, but in in uh, for for a band that's as conspicuous, as sort of as as obviously aware of its own potential legacy as uh, as LCD Sound System and specifically sort of James Murphy is, you know, every every decision um, feels sort of uh, you know feels extraordinarily well thought out and sort of deliberate. And I think that, you know, he, he really did sort of struggle with, um, with the decision to, to return after announcing retirement. Um, and, uh, as we've discussed in the past, you know, there's a, there's a long letter explaining the, the rationale behind it, um, that, that you can read on the, on the band's website, but it basically boils down to the fact that, you know, they thought they had something else to offer and, and he's sorry if, uh, uh, if the the fans who you know, if there are any fans out there who feel sort of betrayed by the reversal of course, anybody who um, scalped but, oh, the uh, MSG tickets for hundred thousand dollars, dollars, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, but at the same time, it's um, it, it does it does I, at least in my judgment, it feels like it's a fairly earnest change of heart, um, and I think that you know what what more can you uh, how I guess it, it's difficult to take somebody to task for for um, for a real sort of uh, uh, you know ch- change of mind. Yeah, man, I'm know? all for it. Um, I always these want things happen. LCD. Didn't want them to ever go away. So. Yeah, exactly. So um, you know, as as I said, I think what's interesting about the the time that's that's elapsed in between is is really that this album, in a way, I think does feel a little bit more like um, a, a solo album in some respects. I mean, it's it's um, a lot of a lot of James Murphy's, I think, is uh, as his sort of his, his anxieties are um, are you know closer to the surface here, um, and so where you had the sort of elements of a of a dance band and dance group, um, you know the the subject matter takes a slightly darker turn. But um, you know, I'll I'll talk a little bit more about the subject and, and sort of the content of this stuff in a minute. I think you know it's it's worth sort of just looking at, at sticking to the sonics for a second and and thinking about. Um, you know the way that LCD actually constructs these uh, these albums, and you know first and foremost, every one of these songs is built on a really just a rock solid like rhythmic foundation, right? I mean, this is a guy whose whose history and and um, whose personal history is you know is in uh, is in both dance clubs and punk clubs. Um, so he has uh, he has a real um, affinity for both of those things and blends them together, um, blends though. them together well. But of course, he is yeah exactly he is himself a drummer, right? So um, you know from there though he adds what well, he augments all this with these sort of vocal flourishes and and you know by the way I think the guy's a really good singer. I'm just singer gonna say that, that I'm like it happens talked to be about. a damn good singer. Yeah, I mean, nobody really thinks of him as a as a singer. He's sort of a, a frontman, you know, multi instrumentalist percussionist who happens to also sing. But I think that I mean, if there's one thing he's proved over and over again, it's that he's got range and he's you know, hell, he sings in key. And frankly, that's an important part. He understands delivery really well, even if he doesn't have a sort of classically uh, pretty. Voice, it's almost you know like he I mean? studied. I mean, he's he has great obviously taste in music which we ran down in our rundown of losing my edge um you know he's definitely sort of finds all the you know just cool obscure stuff but has a great pop sensibility too and it's something that i've always really admired about lcd is that you know like a lot of my favorite sort of just straight up pop groups 
there has to be that kind of that melody and that that you know that know-how of, of when to deliver a chorus and when to deliver you know sort of a line and, and I've always thought James Murphy almost in like a, a studied way but it works really well with him I mean um you know I think especially no, on absolutely earlier al- albums and we can talk about American Dream too but no, I mean he's got he's got this incredible uh, ability to for you know or sort of uh, I guess intuition for for sort of song craft and and you know so you have as I said you've got this sort of solid rhythmic foundation um, these you know vocal flourishes that just seem that are just appropriate to the point in the song um, you know it's they often they're sort of building to this this sort of crescendo um, and then you've got these awesome sort of like squelchy synths you know that are that are sort of um boiling over the the surface and and you know these really sort of agile cool funky elastic bass lines um but you know at the end of the day i think the central nervous system of of this album like like all of the lcd records really is uh really is the drums and you know i think that's that's not just murphy here um I mean, stylistically, you've you've got to um, you've got to credit Pat Mahoney, who I think has really become sort of like one of the most interesting percussionists um, uh, out there on the market today. And I think actually the National have another one of the uh, most interesting percussionists working um, working out there today. So you know, it's it's no it's 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 no accident. I don't think that that you know when Murphy's on stage, he's he's often standing right next to the drums, and frequently he's facing. Pat Mahoney, um, and yeah, you know those guys are, are sort like of having a guitarist for any other band, you know, sort of right on this. Exactly. Yeah, that actually, the guitarists are behind the strings <laughs> and the keyboards. Yep. You know? No, it's an incredible setup. It's it's really unusual um, and uh, and pretty pretty rare, with the exception of a handful of like. Um, you know, I'm trying to think like battles or something that is so incredibly like drums forward. I mean, that's almost a project specifically uh, arranged for um, for percussion. Um, but you know, I, I think that sort of what 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 that allows them to do, and what I think is evident in a lot of the songs here is is you know sort of build up um, build up anticipation and, and sort of create a uh, a tease in a lot of these songs. Um, and you know, he is the ultimate patient song builder um sort of slowly moving each heavy block into place and and eventually sort of delivering on these crescendos that feel sort of effortless even though their construction was was extremely sort of labor intensive and and complicated so you know um that's that's uh i mean that's evident i think all over the album starting with something like oh baby the uh the opening track um but but certainly also in uh in call police um and and i think ultimately it's most present on the song how do you sleep which just plugs along and and um for for five minutes before you just get this incredible release um in the form of uh in the form of synthesizers that that just sort of add to this incredible like pounding um uh pounding rhythm section so um you know clearly in in all those respects in my mind I mean, this this thing sounds through and through like an LCD record, and um, I think it's it's really it, it it's equal to uh, uh, to to their past output. Um, so on the sound alone, I'm willing to say this thing rocks, um, and I'm pretty sure they just com- completed the grand slam, which uh, which we've discussed is the is the incredibly difficult to achieve four consecutive great albums. Also, an upcoming episode. Um, Stay tuned. Yeah, exactly. Also, uh, also going to be the subject of an upcoming episode. But ultimately, you know, at least from I, and I, I think you would agree. It, it's not just the fact that this guy makes good 
dance albums or rock albums or or somewhere in between. It's the, it's really it's the subject of the songs yeah, no, that, that are the sort of continued triumph, is, right? Yeah, I mean they're important to me, you know, and and I can't say that about a lot of bands. Um, and I know we talked, you know, recently, obviously with the resurgence of LCD and us sort of all going and, and to concerts, you know, together recently, you know, we, we've talked a lot about them. We did three episodes on one song, but, uh, you know, I think because, you know, like I said, we just did a thing on Husker Du, um, and occasionally you just catch a band that, that actually like really means something to, to you and, and LCD through, you know, I love all, all of their stuff and, and but I, I think really, Sound of Silver was the one that kind of caught me, and then um, songs like All My Friends and, and, you know, This Is Onto This Is Happening. It just it caught me at a time where I was aging out of sort of, you know, being young and being at clubs every night, but it also contained all of the music that I liked. So if it was just good rhythms and good dance music and, and good cool bass lines and stuff, like there's, there's a lot of bands that I like that have those aspects. But, you know... I think I'm sort of in between you and Wyndham on lyrics forward, but I think we all agree here that he brings something to the table that's above and beyond um, just a great groove. And, and uh, you know, that actually kind of, you know, is, is a personal on a personal level, which is, is what we look for in music. No, that's, that's absolutely right. I mean, I, I think, you know, LCD sound system means so much to, I think a, a lot of the band's fans precisely because Murphy, you know, he, he sort of publicly airs these, these, personal vulnerabilities and and almost like sort of existential anxieties but but in a very universal way and you know i think if you think about like if you think about his past albums like what he's basically asking a series of questions of himself like am i cool am i still cool (laughs) um like you know what's my imprint or legacy gonna be by the Um, album cover of this is happening he realized he was cool (laughs) but it was too late does anybody does anybody give a shit that I'm doing this? Um, you know, and sort of, and then, and then also the worst one, which is who am I, you know? And basically, by the way, these are all like variations on a, on a, uh, David Burns age old, um, you know, question in once of a lifetime, which is how did I get here? Um, but you know, I think that these sort of anxieties and questions, like this is, this is the inner monologue of an entire generation of people who are obsessed with their own aging and like fleeting youth. Right. Um, I know I am. I think, you know, I think you are. I think Wyndham is. Um, I mean, this is not, this is not singular to, to the lead singer of this band. It's a lot of people who, who are sort of wondering, you know, in an era, um, it, it, the, the key is, is, is relatability. And, yeah. you know, what James Murphy, like us, is, is sort of trying to figure out as he goes along um, is, is, you know, what's he supposed to be doing? Um, and I think that's pretty reassuring to a generation of people who are defined by, by, you know, um, what are generationally defined by, by, um, excessive job change and, uh, an overwhelming amount of information with which we have to make every single minor decision in our lives. You know, so maybe, maybe the sort of the core takeaway is, Hey, maybe I don't need to have my shit figured out yet. And it's still possible to sort of appreciate the moment and, and really try and focus on it and enjoy it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's also always reassuring as you are aging to watch a guy who is, is your age or, or slightly older um, have success a I've little later time. in life. That's yeah, the- <laughs> I'll speak for Wyndham and I. Um, but, uh, you know, somebody have that sort of success with the pa- you know their passion project, um, you know, maybe not in their 20s and in their late 30s or 40s. 
Yeah. And then, you know, I think the, the final point uh, that I would make is, and you touched on this a minute ago, is just that, you know, he's still, he's still the best student of musicology out there, right? Like, he's, uh, you know, he looks backwards to understand music and contextualize his own efforts and, and sort of pay tribute to his idols. And I think that you hear that sort of beautifully on the click track and, and like, warm sense of, a, of the opener that I mentioned earlier, Oh Baby, um, which, uh, you know, quotes perfectly Suicide's song, Dream Baby Dream, um, and then builds to this sort of soaring vocal part that that recalls another uh, sort of great moment in music, which was LCD's own song, in Someone Great. So, so let's take a minute and listen to Oh Baby. Okay, so so that was Oh Baby, and you know, I, one other uh, song that I wanted to point out here, you know, is is really sort of explicit in, in its subject, but but and I would say that explicit songwriting isn't necessarily 
always exactly um, in the wheelhouse of LCD sound system. A lot of times, you know, you have you have sort of um, very casual descriptions of, of you know events and places and parties and things like that, but there there's sort of more to it, right? There's there are added layers of meaning, and I, I think that what sort of makes uh, black black screen so interesting, and this is really the sort of sonic eulogy for for. David Bowie, with whom James Murphy had a chance to work over the last few years, um, I, you know, he's incredible. It is sort of confessional in its tone. Um, so let's take a listen to that for a minute. So that was that was black screen, and you know I think that these these sort of personal accents um, deepened the the record for me. I mean I, I think I I 
took a lot away from it. And in, in a way, you know, I wonder if it's sort of fan service. Um, I know that's something we talk about a lot within the world of TV. Um, but for the people who've really followed this band, watched it develop, um, I, I think that, you know, in a way, the fact that James Murphy's come up with something that is a little bit more personal and lets that lets the fans in um, to, to sort of his world and sort of what he's really thinking and, and feeling on a sort of, uh, uh, you know, on a uh, personal and sort of factual level, you know, if that's a, if, if that's sort of the trade-off or if that's, that's what he's willing to pay to, to make this comeback um, worth our while, you know, and yeah. worth our time. I mean, it's, it's seven years later, like we, we pointed out. Um, I can't think of an album that I was anticipating more than this album, to be honest. Um, and uh, I think everything you said is spot on. It's, an, it's, it's the first LCD sound system album that I had to kind of make myself go back to and, and re-listen to multiple times. So I think we, we talk about it a lot, too. Like, great bands sort of progress, right? Like, you, you get hooked on that first album or first single, and then, you know, it's that second album when that's better than the first one. That's a great surprise. And the third one, and, and you kind of follow that trajectory. And, and certainly with these guys... Um, the first three are, are really kind of near perf- are our perfection to me, and I think you as well. Um, there was something like flatter or just sort of not as fun on this album for me on, on first listen, and and I, I really I, I have grown to, to to like it, and and you know I there's some songs like so, and and I can actually say this for any LCD album, there's songs like I, I don't love every song on, on all of their albums, but for the most part, I find them, you know, I can, I can go start to finish this album starting with Oh Baby, which I think is, is we just listened to it uh, right up there with a lot of the LCD sound system songs I love. Um, the next two songs, for some reason, stumped me a little bit. Like I just still have had a hard time with other voices and I used to, and then it goes back into, I think what you were talking about, which is, is very LCD, but a little, a little sparser, a little more um, serious. You know, there's there's definitely less... He's having... It's less of a party on this album, and it's more of like... Maybe it is just more of a James Murphy solo album or more of where he is in his life, or maybe he's just older. Um, but, you know, it, it definitely is darker than the other albums. And, and I don't mind dark, um, but I think it just took me by surprise. Um, you know, How Do You Sleep? you were talking about and we listened to as well is, is, you know, it's almost like a, a joy division, like dark, dark song. And then it kicks in at the end. But even that kick in at the end, you know, unlike dance yourself clean, which is kind of a light song all the way through and then kind of jams into it, like a shake your ass song. Um, this still seems really heavy. I mean, I, I like that song. It took me a little while. It grew on me, um, you know, right away call the police. And when we saw them at Brooklyn steel, you know, that was a track that feels very sort of vintage um, LCD. And, and, you know, the minute I heard it live, I liked it instantly. And then the single obviously was released along with American Dream. And so those songs were, were in tonight, you know, songs that to me are the three sort of mo- most traditional. And the rest, like, I got to tell you, it, it, I'm not going to say it's been a struggle, but it was something that, like, I usually buy an LCD album and I can't stop listening to it. This one, I knew that, like, I had to go a little deeper with and, and kind of make myself download it, listen to it on planes. And, and also, and I don't know if you agree or disagree, Christian, I pull singles off LCD albums all the time, put them on playlists, and we have, I think, two floating around our, our 10 million best songs of all time already um, that are burners. This album is not so much of a, a pull-it-off singles um, record for them. This is really a, an album that kind of seems to be like a, a, a block of music 
that is sort of like a, a start to finish album. And, you know, I think the only issue I have with it is really like, I just wish he split up. I used to and change your, or, um, sorry, I used to and, um, other voices and put those sort of in between other songs. But if I took those two out, I mean, it really feels like a cohesive kind of one, one track kind of one mood album. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say actually that I think every previous LCD album is nothing but singles I would want to put on playlists. <laughs> um, like, in fact, every song on every one of those albums was was a single I would put on a playlist and probably have more than once. Um, whereas, you know, this I think does have a couple of uh, a couple of tunes that may that require a little bit more context. But I'm I'm you know I think we'll we'll have to agree to disagree. Um, I'm I'm still I'm pretty I, I'm pretty comfortable saying that I think uh, you know every single one of these tunes has um, uh, has a lot to offer in its own right as a standalone. No, it's it's um it's grown on me quite a bit, and I think uh, you know the songs that that kind of I like a lot I think are up there with their best. You know, um, there's just a couple that have tripped me up, but I uh, agree with uh, pretty much eighty five percent of what you said. <laughs> Cool. Well, let's um, let's take a listen. Let's have a break and and take a listen to another tune, and then uh, we'll come back and and talk about the national, and then we can sort of weave these two things together and and talk about you know how they both came out this year and what they might have in common. Sounds good. Thank you. 
Welcome back to Brother, 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 where today we are discussing uh, two albums, two pretty big releases that have come out lately, um, LCD Sound System's American Dream and The National's Sleep Well Beast. So, Jeremy, I think you were going to uh, you were going to introduce Sleep Well Beast. Yeah, fitting band for Brother, Brother, considering uh, the entire band, except the singer, are brothers. So you've got uh, Matt Berenger, who is the sole non-brother, Scott and Brian Devendorf, and uh, Aaron and Bryce Dresser, who are the um, guitarists and drummer and bass players for this band. So it's it's literally a band of brothers. Um, the National are, are kind of an interesting group. I mean, I, I think we we've had some text change back and forth, Christian and I certainly, and, and Wyndham too. I think I, I'm probably the the sole champion of this band in the Brother Brother pod. Um, you know, Christian probably coming up behind me a little bit with, with um, some respect and enjoyment of, of their albums, and, and Wyndham probably the least. Um, no, respect, no respect, no enjoyment. Exactly, throwing shade. <laughs> um, so the band originally is from Cincinnati, and but really kind of made their mark in New York, and I always thought an interesting story behind the National, and I'll tie this into LCD in a minute, is that, you know, they they got going in, in, in New York City in around 2001 at the height of sort of the, the, you know, resurgence of New York, which was detailed so greatly in Lizzie Goodman's book, Meet Me in the Bathroom. And um, Behringer's actually in that book quite a bit and one of the funnier, funnier talking heads. But, you know, they don't really sound anything like the Strokes or the dance punk movement or anything else that was sort of going on at that time, the yeah, yeah, yeahs and... and um, all lots of other fantastic bands that popped up at that time. They sort of were kind of in the shadows. And I think he, he mentions that in the book. I always thought it was funny. He sort of never felt like he fit in. You know, I think he mentions that he was like sort of the guy at the end of the bar kind of watching all these cool people and in uh, New Balance, you know, running shoes, not because they're cool, but because his back actually hurt and khakis. And, um, you know, they really came into their own. So they had two albums, one in 01 and then, you know, the self-titled and then Sad Songs for Dirty Lovers in 03. But they really came into their own the same year that LCD's first album was was dropped. And I think that, you know, James Murphy obviously found his groove. And that uh, 05 album is Alligator. And that's an album I just am going to put out there on the record that I, I love. You know, I, I, it's an album like, you know, we have a comfort food episode, episode we do around... Thanksgiving and the holidays and, and alligator uh, may well go on my my menu this year. Um, and the band sort of like, you know, had some critical acclaim then built into the, the boxer, which got a little bigger into high violet. And then in 2013, put out trouble will find me, which I believe was charted, you know, maybe in the top 10. It, it was sort of their biggest album had guest appearances from Sharon Van Etten, um, Sufjan Stevens, uh, folks from arcade fire play on that album. And, you know, they're, they're, it's funny, the, the National, if you describe their sound, and I don't know if you'll agree with me or disagree, it's sort of a de- dis- detached sound. So there's a lot going on, but it's fairly muted. Um, there's a lot of intricate sort of guitar and drumming and, and bass playing. All the, the players are, are very talented, but it's, nothing really pops out and kind of hits you in the face, minus uh, Behringer's voice, which is sort of this baritone monotone that kind of, you know, stays in, in one mode most of the time. Um, I kind of find this is a band that I, I have to marinate in a bit. It's, it's, you know, I also have the benefit of having a spouse who, who it's probably one of her favorite bands. So I end up on long car rides listening to whole albums often. And so I've, I've gotten to them aside from alligator, I've gotten into their albums after frequent listens. So they've never been a band that necessarily like blew me away. They usually have a good single, um, that I'm into, and then, you know, I end up listening to the album over and over again. But 
we'll we'll jump into Sleep Well Beast, which is this year's release. And I think another really highly anticipated album. I mean, this is a, a bona fide kind of big band now. And, um, you know, there's been documentary about them. They've, they're certainly uh, critics faves. And Sleep Well Beast is, is pretty much following kind of the blueprint of, uh, I think, High Violet and Trouble Will Find Me, where it kind of kicks off with a, a moodier kind of slower tune into, um, you know, more catchy kind of, uh, you know, if you want to call it pop or rock with Day I Die, which is a single, and then kind of follows sort of a similar track. The things that I, I found were kind of different about this album was, especially with Trouble Will Find Me, you know, there was a lot, if you, I mean, I, I, I've seen them live a number of times, and, and I think like a lot of bands, you really kind of catch the full sort of sonics of this band live, um, as far as like just how talented they are and, and how much they're doing behind the scenes. Um and on this album, it seemed to kind of scale back the instrumentation and, and sort of substitute it a little bit with some electronics and, and kind of come in with more sort of muted um, keyboards and drum beats. And, uh, you know, I, I think for the most part it works, but it was a little bit of a, a retreat. It was a little bit of a scaled down version. I mean, I think all of the, the elements that make the national are here. Um, and, you know, I also will say there were some mistakes on this album too. I mean, there's some songs that like, I, you know, a couple of songs that I, I think in the middle get a little weak. I mean, the Dresner brothers, uh, Desner brothers, sorry, really re- recently did the three, uh, disc Grateful Dead tribute. And so I was wondering if we were going to get a little more noodling on, uh, on this album and you didn't, but you did get turtleneck, which is like a really, really weak attempt at like sort of like a blues banger. Um, but you know, then it goes into empire line or, and I'll still destroy you and, and really kind of comes back. Um, if you're a fan of the national, there's a lot of themes that sort of kind of run through their music and, and he tends to sort of have these sort of characters, you know, there's a song Karen at the liquor store. Um, Karen has appeared in, in many national songs and I've heard him interview and he sort of tends to just like to make up these sort of characters and, and, and sing about them, you know, not necessarily attached to his, his real life or not, um, but I think it's kind of a clever way to, to bring out these sort of, I always find them a bit moody, kind of bourgeois in a way, um, stories that, that um, I think really work well. And this uh, album... Isn't that also his wife's name? Is it? I don't know. It might <laughs> be. Sure but I, no, yeah, it could I'm be. I'm sure that sh- 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 yeah, that's, that's provides no shortage of yeah, uh, tension. Uh, conversation exactly, at yeah. home, I'm sure. With some of the lyrics, it should. And, and uh, this album does have like my favorite national song title, um, I think on all of their albums and it's dark side of the gym, which I think is just a, a great song title and also a pretty damn yeah, good song. I like that too. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm curious, Christian, I mean, I, you and I have gone back and forth. So, I mean, my claim to the national is that they're just, they're really consistently good, you know? And, uh, I, I'll say they're certainly consistent. Yeah. And I'll say it here. Like they are not my favorite band. I mean, I think there's other indie bands that like spoon we talk about and, and other bands that are consistently good as well that I find better. And, and I'd, actually probably prefer to turn on their albums but i think these guys have have a have kind of carved out a a niche for themselves and i think they do enough to um kind of it's hard to say like i I don't want to say they bring things to the next level or or go out on a limb but it's not the same album over and over again i mean i think they're they're they do kind of experiment and and certainly his songwriting gets stronger and and I think music musically, they try different things as well. So I'm, I'm interested to hear what, what you think. I know you and I have gone back and forth on the national many times. Yeah, I, I I'm well, uh, yeah, let me start with that last point. I mean, about about consistency. I mean, that really is um, their hallmark. 
Uh, I think that they've they've found a sound and a sort of groove, and I think partly um, it's partly it, it, it almost serves as a a, a a sort of musical equivalent or metaphor for the subject of many of his songs, um, which is you know that this is a band. Um, that is in some respects defined by the limited range of the lead singer. Um, you are not going to get a sound that is that sonically and audibly different. Um, if the main sort of like narrative component of, of every one of your albums, when first of all, you rely very much on, on narrative. And second of all, um, that, that narrative is being told by a guy who, um, basically sounds like he's reading you, uh, you know, a, a, a dinner menu. <laughs> well, let's um, and, Look, I, it's not. It's it is what it is. It's it's it has it has an element of it that that sounds more like a poetry reading, um, a lot of the time. And I, I don't think that that's that's not a that's not a judgment one way or another. That's just the reality. No, this and guy I, is not agree with wailing yeah, ever. He can't. And let's actually um, before you go on because I want to hear more. Let's just do two clips of. I want to hear like give you an example of I think where it works really yeah. well. Um, that sort of, you know, kind of monotone singing that he does. Absolutely, go for it. And then let's do one where it doesn't. So first track we'll play here um, is let's play Dark Side of the Gym. And uh, we'll listen to that right now. That's to me kind of. I mean, that's obviously more of a slow. That's a slower national song. None of them get that fast. Don't worry. But, um, but there. That's a slower song that that sort of fits the mood, fits the sort of um, description. You know, I think that, that the thing they do well. Let's just say, and, and I, I think do very well. And then the song that that really kind of irks me on this album, and I'm going to call it out, is where they try and get loose. So to Christian's point, I'm going to agree with you here, Christian, on the national. Um, let's listen to Turtleneck and see where to me it just does not work. Thank you. 
I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts on those those two con, you know, different styles there? Uh, well, like I said, um, you know, you can change the music around and you can change the arrangements around his voice, but it's still driven by his voice, right? Um, and it still sounds like a guy reading the phone book. Um, no, I, I it's uh, I don't. I, again, I, I I wasn't setting that up because I have an objection to his voice. Um, you know, I don't. I think that that they're. Um, they, they've, they've found this lane which is very much going to be mid-tempo and um, this sort of comfortable uh, baritone, but that's really not, um, not, uh, that's not a problem when so much of what he's singing about is actually um, the sort of the limitations of, of his own sort of normalcy and, and sort of uh, his, his long, you know, extended sort of period of coming to terms with that, right? I mean, that really is, like, yeah. this, is, this is so anthemic for, um, like, I would say predominantly white male uh, urbanites between 25 <laughs> and 55 um, who work in the creative fields yeah. and like if if they have if they have a band that like sings their songs you know um, this is that band and, and it has been for a long time uh, I you know that's that's absolutely fine those people are allowed to have music too um, and you know th- that really is where these guys fit in I where I where I struggle though is to really see and you know knowing knowing what they sound like liking it well enough and knowing that this album was coming out, it was it's difficult for me to 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 anticipate with a lot of enthusiasm and excitement what this record might bring because I know what it's going to bring. No, definitely. And, um, and yeah, I, I agree with you. And and by the way, it brought it. Yeah. I mean, I, like, and it, I think it that's exactly what it. it. What it's going to gonna bring is a good national album, <laughs> and like, and that's and you know, I think like. Um, you know, I think some of the themes you just talked about actually are very relevant to LCD too, right? I mean, like, a lot of those same people like Absolutely. LCD, and, and it's two bands that are kind of aging, and two bands that are aging pretty gracefully, you know, um, considering how hard that is to do. 
But I think in the national, yeah, one of them started out with the music of forty-five-year-olds, though, which is like a kind of a yeah, know, up to them. no, I definitely. Like and, it's a little bit more difficult to age gracefully with like um, you know dance floor music, but but I think he did it in a retro way that kind of did, and I think you know with yeah. with the national, I mean, like you are not gonna, this is not going to be a surprise, and and you kind of know that, and I, I've sort of trained myself to know that like I'm actually going to go see them um, October fifth in Boston, you know. Not a show I'm even – I'll, I'll have a good time. I've seen them live. They're good live. Um, you know, my, my wife enjoys seeing them every time they're in town, so we, we do it, and it's great, and I, it's always good. And actually, it makes me appreciate the albums more. Um, but I think, you know, they're a band that's managed to kind of not fuck up for a while, and I think that's, that's, that's pretty credible and, and really good. And, uh, you know, it might not be everyone's sound. I, I tend to, to dig it, I think, more than certainly you guys do. But it's um, – but I think that's, you know, there's just so many bands that can't seem to quite, you know, string it together. And, and these guys have found the formula. I mean, I think you were telling me something early off the uh, off the mic about their part of that. Part of the solution was building a studio in upstate or in the Hudson Valley. Oh, absolutely. This was. Um, yeah, there was a, a terrific line in, um, in Jason Green's uh, review of this album, which I think, um, you know, in, for for pitchfork, I, I should say, um, which uh, which I think you know sort of uh, more or less reflects some of the same views that I'm that I'm um, uh, espousing here. That you know I think it's the, consistency. It isn't necessarily a vice, but but it it also does make it difficult to you know highly anticipate a, a seventh album. Um, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that you're not gonna like it. I like it. I just uh, I just I it's, I wasn't excited about it before it happened, um, and um, you know. But I mean, this is a, there's a great description in this, which um, you know, Green writes that that making records with this band is sometimes sounded about as fun as a forced bonding office <laughs> retreat, but um, this time they built a studio in a pastoral area of upstate New York that has muted uh, intraband creative friction, and as Berninger put it, apparently, and quotes, it's hard to be a dick when you look out the window and there's this tranquil pond. Nice. Um, and that just sounds like it could be a lyric at any place in any one of his songs. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, it's just there's such a there's such a sort of descriptive uh, descriptive candor about um, uh, about his um, particular style of songwriting, and I think it speaks to a lot of people, and and for that reason, they they really appreciate this guy. Yeah, no, it's it's funny. It's something that I've almost self consciously liked for a while because it kind of it's one of those things that like I feel like should bug me, but I've but for some reason it works with this band, and he and he does it well. So with that, I mean, I think let's let's wrap on uh, you know LCD and, and uh, National, unless you have anything else to add on these two albums. And uh, well, I just wanted to toss out there the idea that you know we. As I'm looking at both of these albums, there are a couple of themes that I think are sort of cross-cutting here. I mean, the one, um, the one that you know you mentioned a moment ago, which is that you know these are guys who are uh, fixated on this this process of of aging, um, and sort of you know they're they're also fixated on the the sort of uh, you know the melancholy of day to day life, if you will, or the um, the sort of the mundanity of of day to day life, and you know these are not exactly, um, you know, 
nobody, they're not foreign themes to anybody. Um, but I think that they portray it in a way that, that specifically speaks to, you know, again, this sort of like the creative um, community and, and, uh, and, you know, particularly sort of um, this sort of demographic of like urban college educated um, uh, folks, but, you know, between a certain age bracket. Um, and, and similarly sort of, you know, provides on the one hand um, a, a sort of, uh, it doesn't sound like Dylan, but a sort of Dylan-esque, you know, poetic like release of you know, it's this sort of bottled, bottled anger that that um, uh, that you hear in the National and this sort of controlled little outrage, you know, moments um, and uh, this sort of lament of, of aging on on LCD's side, and I think that those are both, you know, those are themes that everybody, I mean, that that every one of their fans, I think, can can sort of relate to. Um, but the other point I would make is just that. You know, they're obviously both shaped by their environment. And in some respects, naming, you know, LCD naming their album American Dream, my first thought was, I mean, you know, hearing hearing the uh, album title months before it was actually released um, and only getting the, the songs a few days before um, the the release date, I, I think, uh, you know, it was... It, that, I, I thought it was going to be a much more overtly political record than it was, whereas I would have almost expected that from the National and didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got something that was sort of obtusely political. Um, it, and in some moments, you know, he, he makes sort of fleeting references to, to Trump. Um, but it was more the way that the, the sort of a contentious political environment, I think, or, um, you know, nationally is sort of like that, that there's, there's, there's the sort of prevailing sense of anxiety in both of these records, which I don't know has always been true everywhere on, on all of their past releases. No, Certainly definitely not. not. For LCD. No, and I think earlier, I mean, Alligator and Boxer, I don't think either for, um, for the national. And, and I think, yeah, yeah, I think you definitely hit on something. It's also sort of like a, I think both people like, like most of us are, you sort of internalize. There's so much chaos on the outside that both these albums seem really kind of like internalized and, and sort of, you know, kind of coming from the, the depths um, both albums yeah, are... even when they're... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, just that even in their moments of introspection, you're right. I think that they express this sort of like a, a sort of a, a, almost a caustic or sort of a quality or a frustration that um, that you didn't necessarily, you know, that, that wasn't evident sort of in their, in their voices like previously. Well, and I think um, too, both records, you know, for me, and I know LCD was an instant hit for you. I mean, it was not, not a hit for me, but I had to listen to it more, but I think both records actually benefit a lot from repeat listens and listening to them all the way through. Yeah. So with that, let's wrap and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll take a listen to, um, a song from, uh, from Sleepwell Beast and, uh, we'll come back and throw some songs on the playlist and talk about what we're listening to. Sounds good. Somebody 
Christian and I, and we're going to end this pod like we end every pod. Christian, what are you listening to? Well, I've actually seen a couple of pretty great shows lately, um, starting with uh, Sturgill Simpson at at, um, Radio City, uh, and then just this uh, last weekend, War on Drugs um, at the Central Park Summer Stage, and then Interpol the next night at uh, Forest Hills. Um, so, you know, I think all three of these were great. Sturgill's obviously a, a you know, phenomenal live act, and I, I strongly um, encourage anybody who has the opportunity to go check him out. Uh, un- unfortunately, um, his Estonian uh, guitarist has, has parted ways and um, has moved on to... Uh, to you know, new and, love and that guy. I'm sure great things. Yeah, he is unfucking real. Uh, but Sturgill himself, obviously a phenomenal player. So um, you actually, it, it's pretty incredible. Um, you really don't lose much, uh, or I shouldn't say that you don't lose much. But it's uh, it's it definitely it's still um, it's still a real uh, real spectacle. So um, that said, you know, I think what I what I'm here to talk about is has got to be Interpol. You know, it's my all time favorite album um turn on the bright lights and they played it start to finish um actually the openers were great too battles and uh deer hunter um and uh and then you know interpol came on to play my absolute favorite album and i've got to say you know it's it's um it's a bummer that carlos d wasn't out there with them um i think he provided something in in concert with sam fogarino like a sort of a driving rhythm section that was really an important component to their to their live shows um because uh, the that sort of hollow haunting quality that Paul Banks' voice has um, on on album, which is just so you know captivating, and and I think um, a sort of you know has a hypnotic quality almost, um, isn't something it, it it's difficult to translate onto a large stage, um, and you know I, I just so I, I think that when when Carlos D was there to really sort of. Uh, he was a, a, a great presence on stage, um, just in terms of, of movement. Um, but also, you know, they really cranked the volume on, on that bass and, um, and it really just, you know, kept, kept the, the music driving forward. Um, what I will say though, is, is that as a mega fan of that album, uh, you know, it is so much fun to watch your band, your your favorite, um, your your favorite album played by a band um, under these circumstances. You know, it, it sort of being rewarded by the experience um, of, of sharing it with ten thousand people who you know know every note, drum fill, and and lyric that you do. Um, it really is. It seems to me sort of one of the last ways that that you know music really does still foster community um, in a sort of very very much fragmented and sort of balkanized age of the internet so um that was uh that was a pretty cool cool thing to do yeah i love the uh the classic album show especially an album like that that you know you kind of know note for note um 
So, and I should say, November second, King's Theater in New York, in uh, in Brooklyn, yeah, yeah, yeahs are going to be playing Fever to Tell. So, there you go. We can all look forward to that. Awesome. One of my, not probably my second favorite. Yeah. So it's pretty <laughs> funny that those two came out as close together as they actually did. So um, wild. I uh, I have not had as an exciting life as Christian leads in, in Brooklyn, um, and have been you know, punished by work travel lately, hence the fact that I'm sitting on the West Coast in a hotel room. But um, but I did, uh, when I'm home, I've, I've decided to sort of hole up, and I did get a chance to finally see the movie The Big Sick over the weekend. And um, Oh, how great was that? Yeah, you know, like, I've got, like, one word for it, and I mean this, like, in all sincerity as a compliment. It is really cute and <laughs> really pretty funny. Yeah. You know, but I mean <laughs> cute in a good way, and I don't normally, like, use that as a, you know, descriptor. Um, but, yeah, I just, you know, it was just kind of a pleasure to watch. And, and uh, that's nice every once in a while. You know, you need those. And so I thought it was well done. Um, and uh, sometimes those movies get a little overhyped by the time I get around to seeing them, and this was not the case. So um, from there, shall we add a couple songs on the playlist here? Absolutely. Go for it. All right. Well, I had a couple in mind, but you threw me for a loop early on and uh, by quoting David Byrne, and I'm going to go with Once in a Lifetime by Talking Heads. All right, and I think I have to go with uh, with my favorite song off um, "Turn Off the uh, Turn on the Bright Lights," which is uh, which is the opening track, "Untitled." Finally, we've been waiting for you to throw something on from there. We've actually hel- purposely held out from throwing a song off that album because I, I knew it was yours. <laughs> so, anyways, oh, well, I appreciate it. <laughs> this was fun, and uh, we'll uh, talk next week. All right, talk to you later. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother 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 podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>